0: Hey everyone, Uh, for this podcast I want to continue a series of questions that often come up during couples counseling and one question that does come up quite a bit is uh, in the area of conflict resolution and one specific question i like to address is how should Christians go about resolving conflicts biblically? What does biblical conflict resolution uh, look like or sound like? And that's a very important question to ask because uh, in a sense if you're not able to uh, answer that and also distinguish between christian conflict resolution from the rest um, that's a big chunk of the christian life that uh, we're not tapping into Um, that's not all there is to christian life but this is a huge part of it you know as christians we have the ministry of reconciliation And that's not only referring to leading others to be uh, reconciled to God, but also being able to reconcile horizontally with one another uh, as well. So let's ask this. How do we do this? uh, And what does it look like or or sound like? And uh, before I jump in, though, let me also say I think it's worth pointing out that oftentimes what we do talk about um, is conflict resolution and not conflict prevention and uh, that's to be expected that shouldn't be a surprise to us given what we know from the scriptures that we live within a broken world we live in the presence of god's enemies and we're also victims of our own fallenness our own selfishness our own sins that come out of that and of course as we mature and grow in god's word uh, we can minimize uh, conflicts, But conflict resolution will always be something we have to um, learn how to do better and more readily. And part of the gospel of Christ is that God has reconciled um, sinners to, to himself. And therefore, uh, reconciliation is possible uh, by the help of God and by the help of his Holy Spirit living inside us. So let's get a bit practical about that and address the question of what does biblical conflict resolution look like. First thing that I usually encourage couples to consider uh, in their moment of conflict is, I think, at the same time, the easiest thing to understand, but also the easiest thing to miss when we're actually in a conflict, and that is the presence of God. Uh, Acknowledging the presence of God in your conflict is key. Uh, when it comes to conflict resolution, Um, it means that you're not simply stuck in this tug of war between two differing human interests or human opinions, but that there's a third party to whom the couple together are held accountable to and uh, must conform to. And so as soon as you acknowledge the presence of Jesus in your conversation, then I think the follow-up questions just flow out of that that awareness of his presence? Uh, What does the Lord want me to think? What does the Lord want me to speak? Uh, What does the Lord want me to do right now? Or how does the Lord want me to uh, think, speak, act in, in a way that would resemble the character of Christ? And if we were to simply take a deep breath and just pause and think through honestly our answers to these questions, I think we'll be on our way uh, to conflict resolution, at least a very good start to resolving the conflict. Now let's go a step further. Let's say you're not so sure what the Lord wants you to think, speak, or do. Uh, Maybe you're struggling with coming up with um, answers that don't seem so superficial, like just love, just forgive, just be nice. So you're wondering, okay, Lord, how exactly? What, What does loving and forgiving like you look like? And this is where all the scriptural training and scriptural memory uh, come into play. Any Christian who is serious about the Bible should have a good list of passages that they can bring to mind when the rubber meets the road, when it comes to conflict resolution. This is when it matters. Um, This is often those moments when we need to take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and battle against All kinds of temptations. Uh, The temptation to hold on to negative feelings. To hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. uh, The temptation to take vengeance. This is what we have to battle against as followers of Christ. Okay, so what does the scriptures uh, tell me? I think we can turn to a passage like Matthew 5, 9, where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, so let's apply that in the moment of a conflict. And ask, Lord, what would be a peacemaking step that I can take right now? How can I make peace with my partner right now? And would you give me the strength to take that step so that I might please you in doing this? Or take Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. So, Lord... Show me where I am right in my anger, where I am justly angry, but help me not to give in to sin at the same time. Help me to be more like you, um, justly angry at sin and yet not sinning. Uh, Help me to identify the wrong and yet also able to forgive the wrong. Help me to call out sin and yet, like you, restore the sinner. Or later in Ephesians 4.29, where he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, for only such as is good for building up, giving grace to those who hear. (laughs) Wow. What would be a prayer that stems from that? Um, Lord, hold my tongue and let no corrupting talk come out of my mouth. Uh, Help me to say something right now that will build this person up and give grace uh, through what I'm about to say. Now, let's say you've already failed in this, and I find myself failing at this so often uh, in my relationship with Lynn. Right? What happens then? Well, then I have something to confess, right? Lord, I have failed to obey this. Uh, forgive me. Or I could be talking to my wife. Sorry about what I said earlier. That wasn't uh, meant for building up. It was meant to tear it down. Um, I didn't speak in a way that gives grace. I was simply venting. I was being short-tempered. So even if you have failed to carry some of these things out, you still have an opportunity here, and maybe even a better opportunity here for reconciliation because you are being confessional and you're inviting God's grace to be a part of this conversation. Here's another verse, Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, this verse is so helpful because it doesn't just say forgive one another. It also says bear with one another. Right? It gives a description to forgiving. Uh, forgiving someone feels like you're bearing or carrying something heavy. So you can pray, Lord, give me the strength to bear the cost of loving this person and forgiving this person. Right? As you bore the cross for me, help me to bear my little cross for this person. Or take Philippians 2, 4, where he says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Um, what would benefit the other person? Uh, what can I say right now that would really help him or her? Or would it benefit him or her if I didn't say anything? How can I communicate that I, uh, I want what is best for this person? I am for them and not against them. See, scripture really can be an effective means, and I think it really is the best, uh, most effective means of resolving conflict. I think, though, as G.K. Chesterton once said, um, Christianity is not tried and then found to be lacking, but it has been found difficult and left untried. I think uh, this is just something that we're out of practice with, or we just haven't tried at all before. But Jesus said, those who love me will obey my commands, right? And so as disciples of Christ, we can't just leave the Bible on the shelf and leave it untried. We have to uh, open it, read it, memorize it, and practice it, especially in these situations where uh, where we can really exercise the ministry of reconciliation. Now here's something else uh, on a related note. Um, David Pollison, the late Christian theologian and counselor, um, probably the most influential Christian counselor um, in recent history, he's incorporated into his advice for dating couples an additional note when it comes to conflict resolution. And that is uh, making sure that you're not wounding your conscience and the conscience of your partner by sinning sexually. Um, so for couples who are in the premarital or the, the pre-engagement stage, uh, it's really important to keep a biblical physical boundary from one another. As it says in 1 Timothy 5, if you're a Christian, you're to treat men as brothers and women as sisters in all purity. And that's there to, that means what it literally says. Uh, if two people are not married, any conduct that's inappropriate between siblings would be inappropriate for them. And I know that's such a countercultural standard and um, one that most people have violated rather than kept, whether they're in the church or outside the church. So this is not something here to demand perfection from us, but really to point us in the right direction so we can change course. And, And let me just say a few things about why this is important. For one, this is because God has a very, very high view of sex. Not a low view, and therefore forbidding it, has a very high view of sex, and therefore consecrating it. Uh, You have to understand that. God's intention for sex is to be a physical sign of the lifelong marital promise between a man and a woman, representing his faithful promise to his spiritual bride, the church. And so, in the same way, we should not give our whole body to someone we have not promised our whole life to. If we have, it's time to change course. It's time to put sex in its proper context, and that is in the marriage bed with the one you promised your whole life to. Here's the other reason why this is so important, and and it's because of its relevance to conflict resolution. Uh, What conflict resolution really is, is saying no to our flesh and saying yes to God's word. For the sake of not only yourself, but the other person and all to the glory of God. So your ability and your training in obeying God and denying your flesh in this physical aspect of your relationship will very much impact the way that you do this when it comes to the emotional aspect of your relationship as well. I mean, you might think, okay, but it's so hard to resist physical temptation. Well, guess what? It's just as difficult, if not more difficult to resist emotional temptation If you're used to saying yes to your flesh when it comes to the the physical boundaries in your relationship, then you'll be used to saying yes to your flesh when it comes to the emotional boundaries in your relationship as well. So if you want your relationship to be uh, healthy in a way that can biblically resolve conflict, where two people are regularly saying no to their flesh and saying yes to God's word, that's got to start with the way that you draw boundaries physically uh, before you're married. So, all that to say uh you can begin practicing uh, in just infusing this kind of spiritual health into your relationship before you're married and this is one of those rare things that you know what you do before you're married can really have a bigger impact on the years when you are when you are married. Uh, this is something you can practice even when you're not married that would invest into your marriage so all that to say, I really think couples would benefit from just pursuing God together this way and holding each other accountable and just start heading in the right direction, change course, um, and be real about this. You know, avoid compromising situations and settings. Uh, I, I don't advise traveling together to places overnight. You know, don't be naive about physical boundaries that way. Um, instead, you know, have us sit down together and ask each other this question what would be A physical boundary that would really honor the Lord. What would really please him? And what might be uh, a boundary we would set for our future children? And in this way, you uh, will begin to, I think, resolve yet another conflict. The conflict between you and your conscience, the conflict between you and your spiritual husband, Christ the Lord. And if uh, if two people can sit down and agree with one another about this fundamental thing, that Christ is Lord, then I think everything I just shared will naturally become applicable. Um, even when there may be missteps, I think they'll readily come back to the Lord and head in the right direction together. In this way, you, they can mature together and grow together spiritually And be faithful to their first love, which is Christ.